I mean, I had my outline ready to go this morning, and I'm in the office. We had got here, some of our folks had come, and we had opened up everything, got everything going, and I just went back over to the office, and I was just skimming over the outline and going through my Bible, and I'm telling you, man, just a few minutes before I preached what I preached this morning, God gave me a greater understanding of what I was going to give to you. And, uh, and honestly, as in the office, I was just sort of in awe in the office this morning. And then the same thing has happened this afternoon. And as I was just looking over the outline for tonight and just going over some things, and the Lord uh, revealed some things to me that I had not originally planned on giving you tonight. And so that's why right while they're singing, I'm looking over the outline because some things that God give me. These You talk about fresh bread, brother. This is fresh bread tonight. It really is. And so I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to be a help and a blessing to you tonight. I do know this. I probably got way too much to try to give you in one night. <clears throat> but I believe if we really get with the program, I believe we can get through this tonight uh, in a decent time. And so Hebrews chapter 12 in your Bibles. And uh, uh, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to give you a very short introduction. And we're going to jump right into the outline tonight. And uh, I, think I've got, uh, I think I've got at least six points that I want to give you this evening. Some of them are pretty short. And so don't get worried. We'll get you out here about the same time as we normally do. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 22. By the way, it's so good to have Brother J.R. and Miss Marie Speece with us tonight. And uh, we sure love them, and, and it's great to have them and all of our visitors. Thank you for being in the Lord's house tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verse number 22. The Bible says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of those things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom whose, who, uh, which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And you may be seated tonight. And uh, now we've talked about some things. We talked about the place. We talked about the place where heaven is going to be. And so tonight, if the Lord will help us, I want to talk to you about the population. Uh, and I am, uh, I'm super excited Lord willing, when we get all done with this, we're going to put it into book form, and we're well on our way with that already, and, and uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be helpful to so many. And so uh, anyway, let's talk about the population of heaven tonight. Uh, who is heaven for? And so let's, let's pray, and we'll jump right into it tonight. Father, we love you, 
and thank you for the opportunity to be back in the Lord's house tonight. Lord, this is wonderful. It is. It's just great to be here. And we sit here sometimes, at least I know I do, and I, I know so many others do as well. Lord, I sit here sometimes and I think, Lord, what a privilege it is to be in this place. And I'm glad I'm in my spot tonight. And God, I've been ministered to this evening. My spirit has been edified. God, I, I'm going to leave better than I was when I came. And God, I've been encouraged. And I'm thankful that my name is written there. And we'll talk about that tonight a little bit more. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, open our hearts. <clears throat> I pray you'll give us understanding. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll teach us something helpful and encouraging tonight. And I pray that Christ will receive glory and praise and honor from all that is done. Save that soul that does not know for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Father, if there might be one here tonight that doesn't know, Lord, I pray tonight, November the 7th, 2021, would be the day of their salvation. Lord, if there's somebody watching by way of the live stream, and they don't know that they know that they're going to heaven, I pray tonight, November the 7th, 2021, would be the night of their conversion. And so, Father... Please help us now. We pray for your power. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 12. What a great chapter Hebrews chapter 12 is. And I've got this down in big bold letters on my outline. Hebrews chapter 12 is so beautifully done. Well, to be quite honest with you, Hebrews 11 is beautifully done too. And all of the word of God is beautifully done. But I think you'll know where I'm headed here in just a moment. Let me tell you why it's so beautiful. Because Hebrews chapter 12 deals with a very difficult subject. Now, we didn't read it tonight, but Hebrews chapter 12 is actually a chapter in the word of God that deals with the chastisement of God. It talks about what we talked about more this morning. It talks about the discipline of the Lord, the punishment of God. It talks about how God... If we uh, wander out of the will of God, how a loving Heavenly Father will chastise us and, and spank us. And never because He hates us, but, but, but because He wants to bring us back into the fold again. And so the first part, a large part of Hebrews chapter 12, deals with that chastising hand of God. But then as we come to the latter part of the chapter... We find here that the Spirit of God ends on a very positive note. We talk about and we teach what we call the sandwich method here. We kid about it a little bit, but we talk about the sandwich method. You ought to always talk to people using the sandwich method, especially when you're going to correct someone. Always use the sandwich method. Bread, meat, bread. And so whenever you're going to, especially if you're going to correct someone, we always, that first piece of bread needs to be encouragement. Well, I'm proud of you. Man, you're doing a great job. God's going to use you greatly. But then you put the meat on there, and that's where the correction comes in. And then after the correction is done, well, you put that other piece of bread on there, and that's encouragement and praise. And Well, that's, that's exactly what the Lord does here in Hebrews chapter 12. He starts out talking about how, if you're not careful, I'll chastise you, the, the, the chastening hand of God. But then he ends on a very positive note as he informs us of the splendors of heaven. And here in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'd never really noticed this before, but in Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible gives us a very definitive list 
of those who are going to be in heaven. And I'm not sure if you saw that as we were reading through it tonight, but we're going to go back and we're going to really pay tribute to it tonight. So we're going to just jump right into it tonight. So how about this? Number one, we find here, first of all, the innumerable company of angels. Now, look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 22. The Bible says, but ye are coming to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. This is not talking about the Jerusalem that my wife and I went to and some of you gone to, but this is talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. And notice in that heavenly Jerusalem, the Bible says, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now, interesting uh, wordage there. That word company means myriad uh, it means an indefinite number. In other words, the writer of Hebrews, probably the Apostle Paul, most likely the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he writes this, he talks about a group of angels in heaven, and basically what he's saying there is this, that there's really no way to count how many angels are going to be in heaven. The word angel there is the Greek word agelos, and it means this, it means an envoy, it means a messenger, one who is sent. Now, this is the thought that I want to give you tonight. We got to do this quick because I got five other points that we got to get to tonight. But here's my question tonight: What's it going to be like to live with angels? Have you ever thought about that? What's it going to be like when we graduate to heaven and we're living in this heavenly Jerusalem, this new place called heaven, and we're we are surrounded by innumerable, a, a countless number of angels. Well, I guess my answer to that would be this. We're already doing that. You see, the Bible at least appears to, to tell us that you and I have assigned angels helping us. You'll just have to write these down. we got way too many scriptures for you to turn to all these tonight. But Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 10 now, I've got three scriptures here tonight. You can turn to Matthew 18 if you want to, but Matthew 18 and verse 10, listen to the way the, way the Bible says this. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. So the implication there is this, that little ones have a personal angel that is assigned to them, that is watching over them, in glory. Psalm 91.11 says it like this. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Psalm 34.7 says the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. So the Bible seems to point out here that each of us have been given some angels and their job is to help us. Their job is to assist us. Their job is to, uh, is to, to help us through this, this earthly life. You say, Pastor, come on now. You really believe that? I do believe that. And so if you were to ask, Pastor, how, how do you feel about guardian angels? I believe you've got them. Some of y'all are way overworked. I'll be quite honest with you. Now think with me. Do you remember the story of Lot? We just preached about it for weeks and weeks. Do you remember who led Lot and his family out of Sodom? It was angels. God sent those angels to be a minister to Lot and his family, and those angels, by the way, eventually physically had to take them by the hand and lead them out of Sodom. And why did they do that? To spare their life. Remember the story in Luke chapter 16 
where the Bible talks about a rich man that fared sumptuously every day and there was a beggar that laid at his gate full of sores. The Bible says that rich man died and lifted his eyes up in hell. But the Bible tells us that when that, that beggar, Lazarus, who was a righteous man, when that beggar, although he was poor and didn't have uh, anything, when that, that beggar died, the Bible says that he was escorted into paradise by, by angels. In fact, in Revelation, you can turn over here if you want to, Revelation chapter 1 and I notice this over and over again throughout the book of Revelation. We notice the Apostle John, who we call John the Revelator. And we notice that when God gave John his revelation into heaven, we notice that time and time again that John the Apostle was assisted by, by angels. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse number 1. And John says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Turn over just a, I won't have you go to all these tonight, but turn over to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, and look at verse number one. The Bible says in Revelation 17, verse number one, and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, talking about John, and talked with me, saying unto me, come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. Well, you're in Revelation 17. You might as well skip down two verses and look at verse number three. The Bible says in verse three, so he, talking about the angel, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. Revelation 21, nine says it like this. And there came unto me one of the seven angels. Uh, saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now again, here's my point tonight. It, it appears that God has given each of us angels, ministering angels that guard us, that help us, that watch over us. Okay, we taught this. We, we, we've taught um, um, Ephesians chapter 6. We, we've taught that the Bible says that Satan has uh, principalities and powers and spiritual darkness and we believe this, that the devil has different uh, sects of, uh, of angels, if you will. Some are over religious institutions. Some are over counties. Some have jurisdiction over homes. Uh, you probably have angels, fallen angels, that have jurisdiction over your home. By the way, uh, those that are camped out in our house are not the same ones that are camped out at Brother Mike's house. There are probably fallen angels that have jurisdiction. They've been given jurisdiction over this church. And they're the ones that constantly are trying to bring problems and tear down this ministry. There are probably some fallen angels that have been given jurisdiction over this county, uh, North Ironwood County. And now again, uh, but, but at the same time, God has his angels. And God has given his angels charge over our lives. And so... I believe at least this is a very good possibility. It's very possible that in heaven, those same exact angels that are assisting us now will assist us one day in our heavenly home forever and ever and ever. But this will be the only exception. We'll know them. We will be able to interact with them. Now, they interact with us now, but we don't interact with them. But one of these days, that's going to change. And so those angels, I believe those same angels that are ministering to us now, I believe that they'll be ministering to us 
in heaven. So who's going to be in heaven, preacher? Well, number one, the innumerable company of angels. But I love this next one. Number two is what the Bible calls the general assembly. Now, this is great. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 again, and look at verse number 23. So uh, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, is giving us an idea of those that are going to be in heaven. And he talks about that innumerable company of angels. Then he says in verse number 23, to the general assembly. Well, I looked at that, that phrase, and it means a mass meeting or a festive gathering. And then, and I didn't make this up. This is what it says. A festive gathering like that of the Olympics is what that phrase means, the general assembly. So a, so a crowd like, like would attend the Olympics. So I got to thinking about that a little bit, and I thought, okay, I wonder which Olympics had the greatest crowd. So I started looking at it up. It was 1996, Atlanta, Georgia, hosted what they called the Centennial Games, and 8.3 million people purchased tickets for the Centennial Games in Atlanta, Georgia. It was the highest number of tickets ever purchased for an Olympic event, which meant this, that on any given day, there may have been at least 500,000 spectators at one event. Now, you think about that. My wife and I were watching the other night. Uh, we, we don't watch much professional ball since they started doing all this kneeling stuff. And, but we've been watching a little college ball. We were watching that Ohio uh, no, it wasn't. It was Alabama. Alabama, Texas A&M game the other night. And, uh, and there were over 100,000 people in that stadium. And you could tell it. Man, it was loud. I mean, uh, and they were just going on and on. And so uh, evidently, 1996, they tell us that at some of these events, that there were as many as 500,000 spectators at an event. You say, wow, preacher, that's incredible. You say, why are you trying to tell us that? Well, I'm just trying to give you some perspective tonight because those 500,000 spectators are a flimsy little piddling compared to what heaven's going to be like. Now, take your Bibles. Hold your place at Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Revelation chapter 5 tonight. Revelation chapter 5. And I want to show you something that's really amazing tonight. Now, Revelation chapter 5, and look at verse number 8 with me, if you will. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 8. This general assembly. The Bible talks about this general assembly. Who is this general assembly? Revelation 5 verse number 8. Here John is. God's giving him this heavenly revelation. And in verse number 8 he says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and, uh, and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Verse number 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And look at verse 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels. There's those innumerable angels. And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. 
that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be in him that sitteth upon the throne and of the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Now, the Bible says here that John looked out over the portals of heaven here and he sees a general assembly, a collective group, and this collective group is singing a song and they are praising the angels and the beast and the elders are singing together and they're praising the Lamb of God. And John says, I saw 10,000 times 10,000. You know what that is? That's 100 million. You say, preacher, why are you so excited? Because that's something to get excited about. John said, I looked out over heaven. And he said, I see this general assembly and they're all singing and they're all praising. And, and John said, I saw a hundred million people and individuals and creatures doing this. And then he said, and thousands of thousands. In other words, John was saying this, there's no way I could number all the people that were involved in that general assembly that were singing and praising the Lord. Now think with me tonight, Calvary. Can you imagine what that's going to sound like? So years ago, years ago, Billy Graham Crusade, and I've seen some of the old black and white tapes, but they would have a 3,000 voice choir. The first time I heard that, I thought, why not? There's no way. And then I watched those old black and white tapes and where they're meeting you know, uh, in uh, New York City and some different places like that, a 3,000 voice choir. And you can watch some of those tapes on YouTube, and it's amazing. I mean, the volume and the sound that comes from 3,000 voices, but hang on, Calvary. Can you imagine what's going to happen when 100 million plus get together and we've all got glorified bodies and we've all got glorified voices and we all of a sudden cut loose and start singing and praising the God of gods and the Lord of lords. I want to tell you something. No wonder you're going to need a glorified body to withstand that. And so we see that general assembly. But let's go on a little further tonight. Number three, we see the church of the firstborn. Look at Hebrews 12 again, verse number 23. And Paul says to the general, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now, this is where I got so excited when the group sang tonight. And so I looked, I looked that up. Now, look what it says. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. You'll notice there's a comma right there. And then the Bible says, which are written in heaven. I looked, at, I looked that up. That word written in the Greek means, it's the Greek word apographo. And it means, listen to this, get this now. It means write off. Or how about this one? It means tax right. When I read that, I knew where we were going. You say, preach, I'm not following you. Hey, have you ever had to do this on your taxes? Have you ever had to itemize for your taxes? We have to do that. They, they consider us self-employed in the state of North Carolina. 
And so my wife and I, we don't throw a receipt away. I mean, I'm talking pretty much every single receipt we have for 2020, 2021, we'll keep every single receipt, and then every year we dread it, but every year we have to get it all back out, and it's a big, giant stack, and we have to go through every single receipt, and we have to itemize every single expense, gallon of gas, quart of oil, oil change. Uh, If we don't do that, man, the taxes will just eat us alive. And so we have to sit down and we have to itemize every single item on our tax report. Now, this is what the Lord is saying here. The Lord is saying, I have an itemized report of all those who make up the church. That's what he's saying. He's saying that I have specifically written down every single name. I'm not going to miss one. I'm not going to just, you know, one of these days in heaven, uh-oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to miss Brother Chuck back there. I doggone it, I, I forgot about him. No, no, no. God says I sat down and I have itemized a report and he said, I know who makes up the church of the firstborn. I have every single name. And by the way, you remember the story where uh, the Lord had sent out the disciples and they uh, had the power of the Lord. They begin to preach. They begin to heal. They begin to cast out demons and they came back to the Lord and they said, Lord, this is awesome. This is great. I mean, we're casting out demons and the devils are subject to us and we're healing people. And the Lord said, hey, fellas, don't rejoice because the devils are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. (laughs) And I would just ask you tonight, is your name written in heaven? Is your name written in that, that record book that they sang about tonight? And so we see the innumerable company of angels. We see the general assembly, 100 million plus. We see the church of the firstborn, but there's something else we see. Number four, we see the judge of all. Preacher, who's going to make up the population of heaven? Well, look at Hebrews 12. In verse 23, to the general assembly, and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to, the, and to God, the judge of all. Now, church, we're just going to hit this, and I'm going to go to the next point. We're going to be done here in just a minute. Please don't get me wrong. Heaven's going to be wonderful. Heaven's going to be amazing. That, and by, by, by the way, that wasn't a trick statement. It's going to be great. You can say amen. It's going to be great. Heaven is going to be heavenly. I mean, it's going to be... Uh, this is deep. Heaven's going to be out of this world. Amen. It really is. Yeah. Aren't you glad you came to get that deep truth tonight? Heaven is going to be amazing. But folks may want to keep in mind that before we enjoy the pleasures of heaven, we're going to stand before the judge. And here's something I want you to understand tonight. And I think this is so important. Your judge is not your pastor. Your judge is not your pastor. Your judge is not another church member or a family member. But it'll be the God. It'll be God, the judge of all. And, and, and this week as God was speaking to my heart about this message and I was just thinking and my mind was really focusing on this. This was a, a thought that I had. I just wondered, what are people going to say when they stand before God? What are they going to say, Brother Mike? What are they going to say? And, and 
Somebody says, well, he went to his eternal reward. Well, yes, that's true. But before you receive and enjoy your eternal reward, there's God, the judge of all, that you're going to have to stand before. And I just wonder, what are people going to say? Do you ever think about that? What are people going to say when they stand before God, the judge of all, and God says, why weren't you faithful? What are people going to say? Well, Lord, there was a game. You know, there's this game. I'm thinking, really? I don't think that's going to hold up. What are we going to say? Well, you know, I would have been faithful, but there was a birthday party. I was going to be faithful, but the fish were biting. I, you know, I, I, I was going to be faithful. I would have given. I would have served. But, you know, and we'll have 10,000 excuses. But I'm telling us that when we stand before the God, the judge of all, somebody says, well, we better go. We, we, you know, get up. We better go to church. If we don't, pastor's going to be, pastor's going to be out with us. Let me tell you something, church. You don't have to worry about your pastor. I am the least of your worries. Because you are not going to stand before me. But you will stand before him. And when we stand before a holy and a righteous judge. And by the way, if you want to find out what he's like, read Revelation chapter 1. Because John had an encounter with the God, the judge of all. And boy, John talks about him. And so we find here that there's going to be an innumerable company of angels. We see there's going to be the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, the judge of all. How about this? Number, number next is this. Number five, we see the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, what's that talking about, Pastor? Well, look at Hebrews 12 again in verse number 23. The Bible says to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, God says, I've got an itemized report of all those that make up the church and to God, the judge of all. And then he says this, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. You say, preacher, who, who, who is this crowd right here? These are the Old Testament saints who in faith honored the commandments of God. And as they as they would participate in that Old Testament sacrifice, what they were doing, somebody says, preacher, uh, was... Was Abraham saved by the works that he did? And the answer to that is no. Abraham was saved because he believed God. And when he, when he was faithful to practice that Old Testament sacrifice, Abraham, in essence, was looking forward to the time when God would provide his own sacrifice. And so as Abraham, as he would bring that lamb and he would sacrifice that lamb, Abraham was saying, God, I don't understand it all, but I believe that in the future, you're going to provide a lamb. You're going to provide a savior that's going to take care of the sins of the world. And so as he obeyed and did that, he was looking forward in faith. By the way, you and I are saved in the same exact way. Except we're not saved by looking forward. We're saved by looking back. And Abraham said, I believe that God is going to send a Messiah. We look back and say, God did. <laughs> God sent his son, and Jesus came, and Jesus bled and suffered and died. And because of that, we can have a home in heaven. By the way, it's interesting, and we were talking about this just a little bit this morning, but it's interesting that you, you, you say, well, pastor, if that's the case, if nobody's ever been saved by working their way in, what happened then? 
to Abraham and Moses and, and Elijah and those Old Testament saints. And this is the answer to that. Those Old Testament saints, according to the Word of God, were kept in a place called paradise. A section of Hades, if you will, they were, they were kept in that place called paradise until Christ sacrificed himself. Somebody says, well, pastor, why did those men not go to heaven? And the answer is because no man goes to heaven apart from the blood of Christ. No man does. Doesn't matter how righteous you are, no man goes to heaven apart from the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus Christ died, he took his own blood and went to the, to the mercy seat in glory and, and he served as our great high priest and he shed his own blood and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat. And the Bible says, and once and for all, he sat down and it was finished. It was finished. Now, here's what happened when he did that. The Bible says when Jesus did that, he went to paradise. And he took those Old Testament righteous saints of God, and the Bible says he took them to heaven with him. Uh, you say, preacher, what in the world? I've never heard that before. Okay, let me give you some scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 8. The Bible says, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men Verse 9 says, now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. And so Jesus Christ went down after he had applied that blood. Jesus Christ went down and he freed those captives in, in that place called paradise. And so we see the innumerable company of angels we see the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, the judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect. You say, preacher, is that all? Oh, no. No, there's somebody else. There's a mediator. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 24. Here the Bible's giving us this list. And the Bible says in verse number 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Jesus, the mediator. You say, preacher, what does that mean? That word mediator, you know what it means? It means to reconcile. <laughs> the reconciler. You say, Pastor, I don't, know what that, I don't know what that means. Let me see if I can illustrate it. Brother Stacy, can I use you just a minute? Come up here just a minute, if you will. Mike, can I use you just for a minute? Come up here just a minute, if you will. You guys come up here on the platform. The mediator. Jesus served as our reconciler. Stacy, we're going to let you pretend that you're God tonight. <laughs> Mike, we're going to pretend that you're a sinner tonight. Amen. Amen. Because of our sin, actually because of Adam and Eve's sin, we were plunged into, sinful, into a sinful race. And ever since that time, we've all been sinners. And because of that sin, that sin separated us from God. Nothing sinful to ever come into the presence of an almighty, holy God. And because of that sin, there was a divide. There was a divide, a great divide. A great divide had taken place because of that sin. And this sinner wanted to get over here to God, but he could not because of his sin. But the Bible says that God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, the mediator 
the reconciler. And Jesus Christ came and died on an old rugged cross. And by the way, when he died on the cross, he took your sins on him. He took my sins on him. He went to that cross and there he bled and suffered and died and bore the penalty and the payment for our sins. And when he did that, uh, because of his sacrifice, he, he reconciled God and man and brought them together. That's what a reconciler is. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that very much. And so the Bible says that Jesus will be our, our mediator. And by the way, church, listen to this. Forever and ever and ever in heaven we'll be reminded of his sacrifice because he'll bear the marks of Calvary. Remember, remember when the Lord Jesus was resurrected from the from the grave in his, res- in his resurrection body. Remember one of the disciples, his name was Thomas. And Thomas said, I won't believe until I see the print in his hand and the place in his side. And the Bible says that Jesus showed himself and he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach forth thy finger to the print in, the, in my side. I believe that, and in fact, let me, let me read this verse for you if I could. Revelation 5, verse 6, and I beheld in, low the, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. And I believe forever and ever and ever. Somebody says, Pastor, will we ever forget the cross? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think forever and ever and ever and ever and ever when we see Jesus, and we will see him, we'll see the scars. And we'll be reminded those scars are for me. And I'm enjoying this beautiful place called heaven because of his scars. A little simple story. I hadn't told this story in probably years, years and years. There was a mom, and she always wore gloves. She always wore gloves, different color gloves, but she always had her hands covered. When her daughter was little, wasn't a problem. She didn't really realize what was going on, but as that daughter grew into her teenage years, she began to notice that that was awkward. Mama always had those gloves on, always had her hands, even in summertime, hot and humid, had those hands covered. Her mom would take her to school and drop her off and or go to a meeting of some kind, and her friend said, what's wrong with your mom? Your mom's so weird. Always wears those gloves. Always has those gloves on. Hot and humid, always has those gloves on. And that young lady didn't understand that, and she began to think that way. She began to think, my mom is weird. And so finally, she, it, it, the, the mom and the daughter began to grow a little distant, and, and the mom, finally, one day, she sat her little girl down, and she said, honey, let me tell you, let me tell you why I always wear these gloves on my hand. She said, many years ago, when you were just a little baby, she said, you were upstairs in the nursery, and she said, I was outside hanging laundry on the line, and she said, something happened, and a fire broke out in the house. She said, by the time I could get to the house, she said, the house was covered in flames. And she said, you were up there in the nursery in your bed, and she said, I was determined I was not going to let you die. And she said, I made my way through those flames and finally got to your little nursery and, and I got you out of the bed and 
By that time, my hands were severely burned, but she said, I picked you up out of the bed. She said, by that time, some of the neighbors had appeared out in the yard, and she said, I, uh, she said, I dropped you out of the window into some of the neighbors' uh, hands, and, and then she said, I tried my best to, to, to crawl, to climb down, but my hands were so burned, and she said, I tried to climb down, and she said, when I did, my hands became sort of caught on the, uh, some of the wood, and she said, my hands were ripped. And she said, sweetheart, she said, my hands are the ugliest hands that you've ever seen. And she said, because of that, I wear these gloves all the time. I don't want you to see my hands. But she said, I'm going to take my gloves off, and I want you to see. And she took those gloves off her hands, and sure enough, those hands were so disfigured. They were so ugly. And that little girl began to cry. And she grabbed those hands. And she pulled those hands to her. And she began to kiss those hands. And she said, Mom, those are the most beautiful hands that I've ever seen. You know why? Because those hands saved her life. And one of these days, we're going to be in heaven. And we're going to see the mediator, and you'll see the nails, the nail prints, and you'll see that riven side. And I just got a feeling that we say, Lord, those are the most beautiful scars I've ever seen because those scars saved me from going to hell. And so, boy, isn't this great? Isn't this great study? And so, we see here. Look at this. We see the innumerable company of angels, the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, the judge of all, the spirits of just men made perfect, and the mediator. But hang on, Calvary. Because let me tell you something really, really neat. When you get there, you're going to know them all. Take your Bibles, and we're done tonight. Take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And look at verse number 12. You say, wow, Pastor, you know, you're talking about 100 million and thousands of thousands and, and all these, this general assembly and the church and all this. And, I mean, all this crowd and, and then the Old Testament saints are going to be there. And you say, Preacher, it's going to take us, it's going to take us an eternity to get to meet everybody and to, to learn everybody. Oh, no, no. When you get there, you'll know who they are. Look what our Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 12. Paul said this, Paul said, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And I believe this. I believe that one of these days when you get in heaven, I believe you're going to know everybody there. You'll know them. Hey, remember the story? Let's see, Mark chapter 9. Remember the story where the Bible says that Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and, and he's transfigured before the disciples and the Bible says that two people come to meet with the Lord. Y'all remember that story? Moses and Elijah. And they come to meet with the Lord. And Peter is beholding all of this and Peter says, Lord, this is wonderful. Lord, let's just do this. Let's just make three tabernacles and let's just stay on the mountain. 
Lord, I tell you what, let's do. This is a good idea. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Got a question? How did he know who Moses and Elijah were? He never seen them. They died hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, uh, before Peter was ever thought about. They didn't have cell phones and photographs and all those kind of things back in that day and time. And yet, when they appeared to the Lord, Peter said, oh, there's Moses, there's Elijah. He knew. And one of these days, when you get to heaven, you'll say, there's the apostle Paul. Can y'all imagine what that's going to be like? Can you imagine walking into glory and saying, man, there he is, there's Moses. Man, heard about him, read about him, heard preaching about him. Man, there's Moses. And you're going get to get to meet Moses and Elijah. And you're going to get to meet the apostle Paul and Timothy and James and John and Peter. You're going to get to meet those Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, Amos, but more than anything, we're going to get to meet him. And we'll know. When we see him, we'll know who he is. And so I would ask you a question tonight. Do you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven? I'm telling you, before we're done with this series, you're going to realize heaven is going to be quite a place. And you don't want to miss it for the world. And so if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus tonight. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. I don't know about anybody else, but my soul, this is so encouraging. And Lord, I'm so thankful for heaven. And Lord, I don't believe it'll be long before we're going to all be there. And God, we're going to be a part of this general assembly. Lord, I don't know where I'll be in that crowd, that crowd of over 100 million That'll be singing and praising. I don't know where I'll be in that crowd, but I know this. I'll be in it. I do know that. And I'm so thankful, Lord, then I won't need a microphone. And I won't need a cough drop. Lord, I'll have a brand new glorified body and I'll have a glorified voice. And God, I'll be able to shout with the best of them. And praise my wonderful Savior as I look upon the scars in his hands and his feet. Wow, 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 wow. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us tonight. Father, I pray that you'll work in this invitation. And if there might be one here tonight who doesn't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, Lord, help this night to be the night that they come to Christ. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Can I ask you this tonight? How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know, I know, I know that I'm saved <clears throat> and I'm going to heaven when I die. If you can honestly say that, you just slip your hand up tonight as a testimony. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this one, though. How many are here tonight? And you'd say, preacher, if I died tonight, I am sure that I want to go to heaven. I am sure about that. But I'm not sure I'll make it there. I'm not sure of heaven. I want to go. But I'm not 100% sure that I would make it. And I want you to pray for me. 
And I wonder if there may be one here tonight anywhere and you just, in the quietness of the moment, you'd slip your hand up right now and at least let me pray for you. Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? You'd slip your hand up right now. Can I pray for you right now? Preacher, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me right now? You'd raise your hand. Just raise it and wave at me. Is there one like that here tonight? I see a hand. If you're watching by way of the live stream tonight, we're so glad you tuned in. There's a number on the bottom of your screen, 704-327-5662. And we have some wonderful people that are waiting by the phone right now. They would love to take your call. If you're watching and you don't know for sure that you're saved, I want you to call right now. And they're waiting to take your call. We'd like to share Christ with you. I hope you'll call tonight. Let's stand around the house tonight, if you would, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And we're just going to pause for a moment. And Maybe there's somebody that needs to come. Maybe there's a need in your life. If you're here tonight and you are going to be baptized, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and make your way to the front, if you would. And uh, our ladies' dressing room is on the piano side, and our men's dressing room is on the organ side over here. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to come tonight. If you're going to get baptized, just come on, and uh, ladies and fellas, and there'll be somebody back there to meet you and greet you and help you. And while these folks are getting in place, maybe there's somebody else that needs to, to come tonight. You know, maybe there's somebody here tonight, you say, Preacher, I am saved. I'm going to heaven. I know that, but, well, I've got some loved ones. Bless their heart. They're so lost. And I'm afraid that they're going to miss this wonderful place. And if that's you tonight, in the quietness of the moment, if you want to just slip out and just breathe a prayer for them, now would be a great time to do that. Pastor, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? What about it? Would you come tonight? Preacher, I am saved, but we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And we feel it God's will that we join with this local body. If that's you, why don't you come tonight? Why don't you come? So we're going to pause just for a moment, okay? And we're going to sing in just a minute. We've got a brand new song I want you to try tonight. And then we're going to baptize. Man, let's use the altar tonight. Amen. Amen. Folks are coming. Wide open tonight. If you need to come, you come while we wait. Father, have your way now in this invitation. Lord, I pray especially for those that are here tonight that may not know that they're on their way to heaven. God, I pray tonight they'll, they'll come and get it settled once and for all. God, help them not to leave this place not knowing that they're going to this wonderful place called heaven. Father, I'm so thankful that you can know. And so, Lord, work in their hearts tonight. God, meet with us. Help us, please. And we thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Folks are getting some help tonight.
Hey, can we sing this chorus? Most of you know this. Let's sing it. Ready? Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Sing it, Calvary. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that well you know you want to sing it again all right come on let's sing it again ready Jesus 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 nothing like that name there's just something about that name amen master Savior Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Lift your voices up. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim real strong kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name and all God's people said amen you can have a seat boy how'd you like to hear that sung by over a hundred million how many think it's going to get on? I think it's going to get on. We're going to need eternity to praise him, aren't we? Amen. Brother Brandon's going to come tonight, and he's going to lead us in a song. And, uh, and then I'm going to, we're going to baptize. They're probably just about ready. And so we'll baptize, and I'll dismiss you while I'm still up there tonight. And so we're glad to have you tonight. Thanks for being here. Brandon, you come tonight. Amen. Well, let's sing out on this song here. You can remain seated. You can remain seated. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance. Aren't you, thank, aren't you th so thankful tonight for that blessed assurance we have in Jesus Christ? Amen. I want you to sing it out with everything you got. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a This is my story. This 
this is my song, raising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, raising my Savior all the day long. On that second verse, perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my side, angels descending ring from above, echoes of mercy, whispers of love, this is my story. Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Raising my Savior all the day long. On that last perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior. Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Great singing. Amen. Well, what a blessing it is always to baptize. And uh, we are so thankful that the Lord has given us the opportunity to do this. And by the way, right after this service is completed, we have a uh, sort of a walk-through um, shower that's taking place out here in the Grand Atrium for Lance and Courtney. And so uh, anyway, they've got some things out there, and so stop by, and, and, uh, and I hope that you'll have a part in that before you leave tonight. Let them know how we're praying for them, and we appreciate them. And so, Landon, you ready? Come on. Amen. Well, this is Landon, of course. Everybody knows Landon. Landon's been coming for a good long time now. Comes with Mamaw and Papaw. And he doesn't call them Mamaw and Papaw, but he comes with Grandma and Grandma. And, uh, and so sometime back, uh, Landon made a decision. And, and Landon, did you trust Christ as your Savior? Amen. Amen. So Landon, in obedience to the command of our Lord Master and upon a public profession of your faith in him, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, knows. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Good for you, buddy.
Well, everybody knows Emory Hoots, and we're so thankful that Emory got things nailed down, uh, knows that she knows that she's on her way to heaven, and she said, Preacher, I want to do this thing right, and I want to be baptized, and so we rejoice with Emory's decision. Emory, have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Amen. Amen. So in obedience to the command of our Lord Master and upon a public profession of your faith in Him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. Amen. 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 God bless you. This is Renee Cleary, and uh, by the way, Renee, Renee's uh, husband's with her tonight. We're so thankful for that, and uh, God had been speaking to Renee's heart sometime back, and she came to the church property here and uh, sat in our parking lot, and, uh, and she said, Preacher, God told me this was the place that I needed to come, and so we're so thankful for Renee's decision, and we're excited about what the Lord is doing in her life, and so Renee, have you trusted Christ as Savior? Yeah. Amen. And so in obedience to the command of our Lord Master and upon a public profession of your faith in him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Amen, Renee. We got you right here. There you go. So Miss Carla said, Preacher, you better tell my story. And I said, Carla, we got you covered. We'll tell you a story tonight. Carla had, had uh, we baptized Carla. It's been many months ago now. And uh, she had professed to be saved and, but needed to be baptized. And we baptized Carla. And Thomas was being baptized that same night. And so she wanted to be baptized. Well, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were in Charleston, South Carolina, and my phone rang, and it was Alan Barker. And uh, so I answered it, of course, and I said, hello, Brother Barker. And Brother Barker said, preacher, he said, I've got somebody who wants to talk to you. I said, okay. And all of a sudden, Miss Carla came on the line. And uh, long story short, Miss Carla was uh, over-grooming Brother Miss Barker's dog, and long story short, uh, after they got to talking a little while, Carla said, you know what, I need to, I need to give my heart to Christ. And, uh, and so she uh, was saved, and then she came to me, and she said, Preacher, I really need to be baptized, don't I? And I said, yes, to do it right, you need to be baptized. And so how many rejoice for that decision, by the way? Amen, amen. Amen, Carla. Carla, have you received Christ as Savior? Yes. Amen. <laughs> I love that. 
And so in obedience to the command of our Lord Master and upon a public profession of your faith in him, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Amen. Amen, Carla. God bless you. Wonderful. Great. <laughs> they want to know if the water is cold. Well, at the other building, the answer is yes, all right? At this building, it's 103 degrees, all right? So it is, it is, it's not cold. We're so thankful for what God has done for us here at Calvary Baptist Church. And the servant said, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Hey, Calvary, let's go get some more, amen? Let's go get some more. We're glad you're here tonight. Let's all stand, if you would. We're going to be dismissed in order of prayer. And don't forget the uh, walk-through shower out here for Brother Lance and, and uh, Miss Courtney. And uh, let's pray for one another this week. And we look forward to seeing you this coming Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Brother Brandon, are you close by? All right. I'm going to ask Brother Brandon to come. He's going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. It's good to see you in the Lord's house tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, so much for the great service we had. Lord, just a reminder of who all will be present in heaven. And Lord, I'm so thankful that my name is written down in the book. I'm on my way to heaven. Lord, it's so wonderful to see the baptism water stirred again tonight. And God, I pray, Lord, that everyone at the sound of my voice, Lord, uh, and by the way of live stream, that they are saved, that they know for sure that they have a home in heaven. And if they're unsure of their eternity, Lord, that they would get that nailed down tonight, that they would not leave the property before one of us get to take a Bible and show them how they can be saved and how they can have a home in heaven. Lord, I pray that you dismiss us with your blessing. Lord, keep us safe as we all go home and Lord, bring us back excited for the next appointed time. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you have done, but Lord, we still look forward to what you're going to do in the coming days. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen.